This is Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and it's time for the New Hampshire News Recap. We'll get into this week's top headlines. The leaked draft of the U.S. Supreme Court opinion overturning Roe v. Wade has led organizers and lawmakers across the country to take action. What's the response been like here in New Hampshire? And earlier this week, New Hampshire's Executive Council voted to move forward with Governor Sununu's $100 million housing plan and a $52 million contract for children's psychiatric services at Hampstead Hospital. Joining us now to talk about that and more are NHPR's Todd Bookman and New Hampshire Bulletin's Anne-Marie Timmons. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, first, I, I, can we just remind listeners of what our abortion laws are here in New Hampshire right now? I want to turn to you, Anne-Marie. Sure. The, the abortion law that the governor signed into law last year prohibits abortions after 24 weeks, except when the mother's health or life are at risk. And doctors who violate it could face up to seven years in prison and a $100,000 fine. I think it's important to note that as we were talking about this bill last year and now law, medical providers said these These abortions at this point in pregnancy do not happen electively, meaning because you no longer want to be pregnant. It's really because of a crisis for rape, incest, or a fatal fetal diagnosis. Uh, Todd, Governor Sununu has labeled himself as a pro-choice governor, but he also did sign that 24-week ban into law. What what did he have to say this week in response to that leaked draft? Uh, Well, he has continued uh, what he has said throughout his time in elected office, and and that is that he is a pro-choice Republican. Um, he had a press conference Wednesday afternoon, and um, during that press conference, you know, was asked repeatedly about uh, the leaked opinion on Roe v. Wade. Uh, he said, you know, in spite of, of that opinion and what it could mean, uh, essentially that New Hampshire laws would remain the exact same, meaning abortion will remain legal in New Hampshire up uh, until the 24th week. Uh, he said there's a need for these services to be safe and legal. Um, his critics would point out uh, that he did sign the abortion law last year that Anne-Marie was was describing. And I think there's a lot of, um, you know, expectation that if he is pro-choice, that he would uh, take a, a stronger position and actually advocate for abortion rights, uh, trying to twist the arms of, of folks in the legislature or before the executive council where some contracts for Planned Parenthood have, have remained stalled. Um, uh, Sununu has said that if the if a, a bill uh, to repeal the mandatory ultrasound uh, reaches his desk, uh, that he would sign that into law. Now, pro-choice organizers in New Hampshire have been preparing for the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade um, by this summer. Anne-Marie, what are some of the ways they, they say this could affect people here in the Granite State? And it's certainly been a huge emotional blow for them. We've seen a lot of protests and rallies um, pop up this week. Um, sort of technically, this, if Roe falls, our, is, there'll be no change here now. Our 24-week ban um, is in line with those Roe protections. I think the worry for the pro-choice community is that that 24-week ban becomes a 15-week ban, then a 12-week ban, and a 6-week ban. Um, so the governor, as Todd said, has promised to veto any efforts to make it more restrictive, but um, I think we know he's not going to be governor forever, and I think that's a worry for pro-choice folks. Yeah, because New Hampshire is the only state in the region that has not codified a person's right to an abortion into statute. Uh, I know Democratic lawmakers have been trying to bring that forward, uh, you know, this amendment establishing the right as state law, but they have failed. Todd, what, what happened there this week? Right. So both chambers, the House and Senate, uh, saw Democrats in the wake of this leaked opinion try to um, pass amendments to, to sort of codify that right to an abortion into to state law. Uh, New, Eng- uh, New Hampshire is the only state in New England, as, as you said. 
uh, that doesn't have that statute in the House. Um, Republicans have the majority. They they essentially shut down that that debate, uh, mostly along um, party lines. In the Senate, this came yesterday. It actually came very late, around 10 p.m. Um, last night, at the end of a very long day for the Senate. Democrats uh, attempted to amend a bill dealing with um, the buffer zone around abortion clinics to protect patients uh, from 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 protesters, or at least give them their space from protesters. Uh, Democrats introduced um, the Access to Abortion Care Act, trying to codify it into law. Uh, that that failed. It was um, it, it was sort of blocked by Republicans. It was actually a, a 12 to 12 vote, which means uh, it, it failed. Uh, Republicans kept saying, you know, the 24 week limit will not change. We don't need this this amendment because the 24 week limit in New Hampshire will not change no matter what happens with the, the Supreme Court ruling. Now, Anne-Marie, as Todd said, the bill that would repeal the law allowing the 25-foot buffer zones around abortion clinics, that went before the Senate um, this week. It doesn't have support from the governor. How did the Senate vote? The Senate um, passed it. It was, uh, I think, by one vote. So uh, neither there's not the support in the House or the Senate uh, to, to override a veto. I think it passed by four votes in the House. So mm-hmm. I think it's safe to say that that will not become law. It's Morning Edition on NHPR. We are recapping this week's news with New Hampshire Bulletin's Anne-Marie Timmons and NHPR's Todd Bookman. By the way, if you do have questions about what's been going on in the state, you can always email us at voices at nhpr.org. Todd and Anne-Marie, you both covered this week's executive council meeting. Uh, Counselors approved a contract with a Nashville-based company to provide psychiatric care for children at Hampstead Hospital. Todd, can you tell us more about that contract? Sure. So this is kind of the next step in the state's acquisition of Hampstead Hospital. Hampstead is is currently privately owned and operated. The state is in the process of purchasing the facility. Um, uh, Lawmakers have already approved the funding for the purchase. That's around $13 million. They've already approved some staffing money. But but this was a big chunk of funds, $52 million, uh, to really bring in the medical and support staff necessary to increase capacity at Hampstead, Hampstead uh, treats um, children in um, in need of psychiatric care. The hospital has struggled with staffing issues. They only have, I believe, about 40 of the beds filled at any given time, but this facility is actually licensed for, for well over 100 beds. So the state in the short term wants to hire this, this really sort of national player named WellPath Recovery Services. Uh, it's, a, it's a company out of Nashville that specializes in medical care in institutions, places like psychiatric facilities and penitentiaries. Uh, this contract is, is short term. It's for the first two years in operation. And then the state says it'll place this, this staffing out to bid. Um, but I'll let Anne-Marie explain because she did a lot of great reporting on this uh, over the past two weeks that, that WellPath doesn't exactly have a sterling reputation. Yeah. Anne-Marie, what about that? There's been pushback uh, about this. There has. I think it's important, as Todd noted, that this is Hampstead is a hospital for kids age 5, 17. A WellPath primarily provides mental health care for adults in prisons and jails. So that was a real concern. They were not forthcoming when I asked about, well, where do you have you cared for kids in hospitals? Um, it looks like maybe they did some of that in Alaska, where they cared for 13 to 17-year-olds. They had an 18-month contract there. 
So there is a little question about what their experience level is here. And secondly, they've been sued hundreds of times and been the subject of a couple investigations into their treatment. Now, the attorney general did review all of that and uh, in terms of the, the litigation and said it's not any, any, there's not really any red flags or a significantly higher number of lawsuits than anybody else working in the prison industry. Um, so that reassured the council and 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 led to the passage of that contract. Counselors were satisfied with that. They were. Uh, the council also approved Governor Sununu's $100 million housing plan this week. Housing advocates have been waiting to hear more details about what that plan would actually entail. Todd, what did you learn this week about the governor's proposal? Yeah, we finally did get some more uh, 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 sort of meat on this $100 million Invest NH fund. This is a, a program championed by Governor Sununu. Uh, it will use uh, Federal Rescue Act funding uh, to essentially address the housing shortage, specifically in the rental market in New Hampshire. So th- there's a, a sort of a couple buckets of funding. Um, the largest bucket will be uh, incentives for developers who build multifamily housing units, rental units that include affordability clauses. There's also some funding uh, for municipalities that fast track housing permits. Um, you know, the council put this off for a few weeks, even with this information provided by the state, um, I would say it would be fair to describe, you know, there, there was still some skepticism by a number of counselors, you know, people were pulling out calculators at the table trying to, to point out and do the math on how this may or may not actually work. Uh, nevertheless, though, it, it did pass. Uh, and it comes you know, at a time where anybody who's looking to either, you know, rent or move into the state could tell you it's 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 nearly impossible to to find decent housing in New Hampshire right now at a fair price point. The vacancy rate uh, is is below one percent statewide, and and rental costs do continue to rise. Yeah, I, I want to turn to uh, another um, another subject we've heard about this week: the state's new voter confidence commission holding its first meeting. Todd, can you remind us of the purpose of the, this new commission that's been established by uh, the Secretary of State? Sure, it is. So it's so, so it's just that it's a, it's an effort to boost confidence, uh, faith in the electoral process. It's kind of this blue ribbon commission that includes former state and house lawmakers, uh, a congressman, former ambassador to Denmark, and some political activists. And this group is going to hold public hearings around the state and also give various presentations about uh, how New Hampshire's election process actually works. Uh, you know, at a at a very sort of ground level, uh, in an effort to to give people the information they need to hopefully feel more confident. Uh, that the outcomes are are safe and accurate. Now, a member of that group, um, Ken Eyring, defended his role on the commission this week, despite the fact that he's previously spread some misinformation about election fraud and security. What did he have to say? Yeah, a couple of news outlets uh, picked up on this story this week. Irene has is a regular, um, you know, in a somewhat sober presence at the state house, testifying on bills related to election integrity. Uh, he's a, a conservative. He's a Wyndham resident. He took an intense interest in the audit of the Wyndham elections. Uh, but it is it's it's his writings on on a blog called Granite Grok that I think have raised some eyebrows. Um, you know, allegations that China hacked into the election software in the state of Georgia. He's also spread what I think some people would consider medical uh, misinformation about the safety of the COVID nineteen vaccine. Uh, so you know, reporters asked him this week. Um, you know. Had had a jive with uh, with a, a commission that's increasing, attempting to increase voter confidence, and right. he said, you know, basically, look, uh, uh, my outside views or my previous views have no relation to the work on the commission. That's at least what he says. Um, he was pressed about who he thinks won the twenty twenty election, and 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 he declined um, to say. You know, I think some people would point out that the the commission itself 
if it's going to reach those who are skeptical, those who may have questions, or even at an extreme level, those who are spreading conspiracy theories, um, you know, you need to include folks who may harbor some of these views and, and placing iron on the commission may not be a bad, bad thing ultimately. Interesting times. New Hampshire lawmakers have voted in support of a bill that would create a, a $100 million settlement fund for the hundreds of people who have said they were abused as children at the state's former youth development center. Anne-Marie, uh, you reported this week that the lawyer whose team is representing nearly 500 people with abuse claims say they will recommend his clients seek justice in court instead. Can you tell us briefly more about that? Yes. Um, this lawyer and the advocacy groups, um, our coalition against sexual and domestic violence and national groups have three real primary complaints. One is they feel the caps, which is 1.5 million for sexual abuse and 150,000 for physical abuse, are too low compared to what you would see a jury award in mm -hmm. very similar cases. Um, they oppose the state's exclusion of emotional abuse, and they are upset that if a per person wants to participate in this, they have to agree up front. I won't take you to court if I'm, I'm unhappy with my settlement, and they say that's very um, victim unfriendly. So they, they came out hard last night after this this passed in the in the Senate. Okay, well, we'll be talking more about that as that develops, of course, and we'll be watching you for your reporting. NHPR's Todd Bookman and New Hampshire Bulletin's Anne-Marie Timmons, thank you both so much for joining us this morning. I wish we had more time. But by the way, you can find more of their work anytime at nhpr.org and newhampshirebulletin.com. Thanks to you both. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Thank, thank you. I'm Rick Ganley. This is Morning Edition on NHPR.